Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And, of course, we've been going verse by verse, passage by passage. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's nearing Jerusalem to fulfill the will of the Father. And that was, of course, to come as to be the Savior, the substitute, and the sacrifice for the sins of the world. He will die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, and conquer death. That's the plan. We've seen in the last few weeks that Jesus, as he gets closer and closer, he's continuing to teach as he goes to the cross. He has taught so many different things. He's taught about salvation and discipleship and stewardship and life after death. Even he's talked about his second coming as the king. Well, this morning, once again, very powerful area, he's going to talk about prayer. And Jesus uh, teaches about prayer, and he uses a parable. And, and as we think about prayer, let me, let me just raise some questions. I mean, what is prayer, and why do we pray? And does God answer all prayers? And uh, uh, does our prayers really matter? Those kind of things. Well, there's so much to know and understand, and we'll see it as we go through our passage. We want to be encouraged and challenged as we study God's Word. You know, there are a lot of commands in the Scripture for us. There's so many that for our benefit, but there's one especially that just stands out that's for our benefit, and that is the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. It tells us to, to lift up our request to God. And so we say, well, what exactly is prayer, and how do we pray, and how, how important is prayer in the life of the believer, and how often are we supposed to pray? Well, we know this, that by faith in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. We have eternal life, and we have this eternal relationship with God. Now, we have a relationship. We also have fellowship, and we're to maintain our fellowship with God while we're on this earth. How do we do that? Well, really two things. God talks to us, and we talk to God. In fact, I want you to see it this way. God talks to us. We talk to God. Now, God talks to us through His Word. We go to the Word of God. We read it. We study it. We memorize it. We put it in our brains. We know it. We apply it. So that's God talking to us. Then we talk to God. That's prayer. That's where we lift up our petitions and our prayers and our requests and our worship and our intercession and all of these things. And so we talk to God. And so the way we maintain our fellowship is God talks to us through the Word. We talk to God in prayer. As we study this morning, we're seeing the Gospel of Luke. Jesus begins, because it's going to take us a little bit, because he deals with prayer and and issues about that. We'll see it in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But he deals with this whole idea of prayer. The key to maintaining our fellowship with God is prayer. The Bible says, keep on praying. It says, don't grow weary in praying. Lift up your prayer request to God. Jesus wants his disciples to understand the importance of what we call persistent prayer. So how do you look at prayer? Is it hard? Yes. Is it effective? Are we men and women of prayer? What does Jesus say about prayer? There's a lot there. Well, let's, let's begin. Let's remember where we are. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He has come from Galilee, from the northern part, coming down to, to go to the cross. He's going to the city. The plan is to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. He'll be the final sacrifice for sin forever. That's his plan. He indeed is the Savior. But as as, as he's going, he's teaching, and this morning, an issue of prayer. Now, there's a lot of things. In fact, if you get a chance, go ahead, and, and if you've been reading, sometimes people are reading, of course, ahead and studying through the passages. You really want to read uh, the first eight verses, which is this morning, but then next week, there's a whole idea about two people went up to pray, and we'll see what happened there. So prayer is sort of the subject for the next couple of messages. But let me break down the passage for you. Uh, this passage, we're calling it Persistence in Prayer. The, it's, a, it's a short passage, but verses 1 through 6 is a parable of what I call the unjust judge. Jesus gives this parable. We'll see it. And then the last part of this is verses 7 and 8 where it talks about God answers prayer. And I think that's the thing that you need to remember. That we can lift up prayer requests about anything, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And God 
answers prayer. We'll see how that fits together. Well, sometimes we bring things to God. We pray about it. We don't get an answer. And in fact, we say, Lord, I want this, or I'd love this, or this, and nothing ever happens. In fact, we do might get an answer, but it's not exactly what we thought it was going to be. And, and so the question is, where is God when we lift up our prayer request? Is He even listening? Well, you have to trust God, because God does answer prayer. In fact, He answers every prayer. Sometimes they're yes, sometimes they're no, and sometimes they're wait. And as we look at this, we're going to see this morning in Luke 18 how Jesus wants his disciples to understand this. Notice chapter 18, look at verse 1. Look what it says. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now he wants them to understand the importance of prayer. And he wants them to understand the importance of continuing to pray to God. Now, when we look at this parable, now oftentimes when you read the parable, sometimes we get the wrong impression because this parable is talking about a widow and she goes to this unjust judge and she brings a request over and over and over again and finally he answers it and so some people say this is what we're supposed to do you just got to keep taking your request to god over and over and over again and finally god it'll sort of like wear god down and he'll say okay i'll answer your prayer is this what this is about We'll see it as we go through the passage. Notice what he says. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, a parable, a parable is a story. That's what it is. It's literally a story that was to help teach a truth. And usually when you read a parable, there's only one main idea in there. And he actually tells us what the main idea is. Listen, he says, he was telling them a parable to show that, and here it is, to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. The purpose of this parable is that you keep bringing your request to God. Don't lose heart. Keep on praying. So really, there are three things we can look at at this. He says, at all times, keep on praying and not lose heart. Let's look at the first one. At all times. Notice what he says. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times times the idea is to keep on praying all the time well how can you do this because how can you talk to somebody and be praying how can you drive your car unless you're going to keep your eyes open i mean how in the world can you pray it all the time what about when you're in class what about when you're studying what about you're at your job how do you pray all the time i mean because he says you ought to always pray at all times well in first thessalonians chapter four he says pray without ceasing now i want you to understand something the word without ceasing means a hacking cough that's what the verb means. It's like you're always, you know, you, you've got a little cough and you don't even think about it. it. It's just there. Well, the idea of prayer is that you're just continually thinking. You're thinking about talking to God. You're talking to Him. You're bringing things to Him at all times. As you're driving in your car, as you're talking to people, as you're walking around, you're saying, Lord, what about this? What about this? You're talking to Him. It's having an attitude of prayer. So when He says, at all times we ought to pray, it's having that attitude of prayer. Whether we're walking, whether we're talking, it's that idea. Now, let me ask you a question. How important was prayer to Jesus? That's really a question. He's the Son of God, and we see that Jesus prayed all the time. That he talked to the Heavenly Father all the time. And we'd say, now, wait a minute. If the Son of God, if he needed to talk to the Heavenly Father all the time, what about us as children of God? Do we need to talk to our Heavenly Father? Do we need to maintain our fellowship with our Heavenly Father? I want you to think about this. When Jesus was baptized, he prayed. When his ongoing life, he prayed. In fact, it said that as as was his manner, he would get up early in the morning and pray. 
When he chose his disciples, he spent the entire night in prayer before he chose them. Before he fed the 5,000, he broke the bread and prayed. At the transfiguration, when he was on the mountain with uh, Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John, he was praying. He taught his disciples. They came up to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them to pray. In the garden, right before his arrest, if you remember, what was he doing? He was praying. And here in Luke 18, he is telling them that they ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray at all times. So prayer was vital to Jesus because that's how he maintained his fellowship with his Heavenly Father. How do we maintain our fellowship with our Heavenly Father? It's prayer. So part one is at all times. Part two... We ought to pray. So prayer is the key. So let's raise some questions. Let's think about prayer for just a minute. First of all, what is prayer? Well, simply put, prayer is talking to God. That's what it is. That's when you talk to God. And let me tell you something. You can come to God anywhere, anytime, any place about anything, and you can be yourself. You don't have to have a prayer voice. You don't have to pray in King James English. You don't have to go, oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just would like to. You can come to Him and be yourself. In fact, you should be yourself because He already knows exactly what you're like. He made you. So you can come to God and you can say, Lord, I just want to talk to you. I got This is what's going on in my life. So prayer is simply talking to God. Now, some people think that prayer is listening to God. No, it is not. We listen to God through the Word of God. We talk to God. That is prayer. Part two of B here is, what is the purpose of prayer? Well, there's all kind of things there, but the bottom line, and we could say, tell God, request, lift up this, but the bottom line is to maintain our fellowship with our Heavenly Father. That's what we do. We talk to Him. We stay in contact with Him. That takes us to the third thing. How do we pray? I mean, there's really a pattern that you see in the Scripture, and it's threefold, and I want you to see it. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you pray to the Father. You're bringing your request to the Heavenly Father. You come boldly to the throne of grace. When they said to Jesus, Jesus teaches us how to pray, He said, pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven. We come to the Heavenly Father. He is the Creator of all things. We come to Him, and as the Bible says, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because you come in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. See, the Bible tells us that the access that we have to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. That's the whole idea of salvation. But He is at the right hand of the Father. He is the intercessor and the advocate for us. And so as we bring our request to God, Jesus is the go-between that is the intercessor there. Let me tell you, when, when you, when, you know, a lot of times people say, in the end of prayer, and they say, in Jesus' name we pray. That is not to say, I'm at the end. It is to say that I'm approaching the living God, and I'm approaching Him in the name of Jesus Christ, because He's the only right that we have to approach Him. In ourselves, we have no right to approach God, but because of Jesus Christ, who is our advocate, who is our intercessor, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. The third thing is in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we come to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's inside of us. Romans chapter 8 says, even when we don't even know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit is our intercessor in there who lifts up requests for us. We don't, we don't even know what's best to pray for. The Holy Spirit does. So you come to the Father in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and you come in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's another aspect that I want you to see, and that's some types of prayer. I want you to hold your place there for just, just a few minutes, and I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
So go toward the back of the Bible, First and Second Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, and then you get to First and Second Timothy. So it's First Timothy chapter two. Take the time to turn there because the Bible is so powerful. You want to see the Word of God, and you also want to check and make sure I'm reading it correctly. And make sure I'm telling you that's right. So look at the passage and see it so you can put it in your brain. But we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verse 1, in which he lists some types of prayers. So let me read it for you. I hope you're there by now. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may live, lead a quiet and tranquil life in all godliness and dignity. He's saying be praying. And actually he uses four words for prayer in this passage. I want you to see what they are. If you've ever had the 412 or if you've had the 2-2 or if you've had some certain Bible studies, you've probably seen this before because we teach this a lot. But I want to make sure everybody sees this. The first word, now I'm using, this is a New American Standard. I'm going to tell you what the words. The first word is in entreaties, which literally means a petition. It means to ask for something for yourself. We do this all the time. Oh, Lord, help me on this test. Lord, help me find this. Help me do this. Please, Lord, get this for me. Oh, Lord, I want this to work out. Please. And we do this all the time. We lift up petitions. It's okay. He says, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the word request is the exact same word. You can lift up your request to God anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. So he says, lift up our petitions. There's a second word there is the word prayers. And that word literally has an idea of worship. The word means to put your face to the ground. It's the idea that when you're talking to God, you're telling God how great he is. You're worshiping him. You're saying, Lord, you are God. You're the creator. You're the redeemer. You're the greatest. You're the one that does all of this. And so you're coming to him and you're praising him. You're worshiping him. So, and this is one of the main words for prayer throughout the New Testament. And it has an idea of worship connected with it. There's a third word, and it is the word petition, and it literally means an intercession. This word means to pray for somebody else. It was a word used that somebody would go to the king for somebody else. We're going to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to our heavenly father, and we're going for somebody else. We do this all the time. People come up and say, pray for me, i got a big test. Pray for me, i got a job interview. Pray for me. This. And so we pray for people all the time. That's called intercession. And then the fourth one is thanksgiving. It means to express thankfulness. It's to thank God for who He is and what He has done. That He's the provider and protector and redeemer and savior and He's with us all the time and He'll never leave us. And so we come to God and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. And so sometimes when you pray, you can spend the whole time asking for things for yourself. Sometimes when you pray, you can spend the whole time just praising God for who He is and worshiping Him. Sometimes when you pray, you can spend the whole time just, you know, have a thing and you're just praying for other people. Sometimes when you come to God, you could just be thankful and say, thank you for this and thank you for that. Sometimes you can do them all together. You can just, whatever you want. He, there's, these are just different words that the Bible uses for prayer. What we must be doing, though, is praying. Lifting up our requests, lifting up our thanksgiving, lifting up our praise, lifting up our petitions and intercession. Lifting them up to God. Now, there's one more, and I want you to see this. I want you to turn almost to the back of the Bible to First John. It's almost to the back. You get all the way, almost all the way over there. First and Second Peter, and then after First and Second Peter is First John. If you go, if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. Just kind of come back, and you'll find First John. And I want you to see First John chapter one, and it's a famous verse. First John one nine. Most of you in this room probably could quote First John one nine, and you've probably seen this before. But there's something I want you to understand that's so powerful about this. 
Now, this fourth one, or this fifth one, is confession. We confess our sin. Now, what do we do when we sin? We know that the Bible says we confess our sin. In fact, this verse says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's a question I have for you. Let's say this morning you got up, and by the time you got to church, you already sinned eight times. Okay? That's putting it kind of low. But, okay, let's just say, and, and let's say as you're coming to church, as you think, you think about, oh, boy, I did this, and, and you confess Three of those sins that you could remember, and you've already forgotten the other five. What are you going to do? I mean, you say, oh, Lord, I, I, I confess I confess this, I confess this. And you get out, and you're coming in, and you can't remember. Or it's the end of the day, and you've gone through the day, and you've confessed sins along the day. But then you get to the end, and you think, oh, my. And you remember a few things, and you confess those. But what about all the ones you forgot? Because we know that when you have sin in your life, you're out of Fellowship with God, and you want to be in fellowship with God? Watch what this verse teaches us. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, let me take you through the passage. This is, this is great. If you've never seen this before, listen. The if. If is a third-class if, which means maybe we will and maybe we won't. Maybe you'll confess your sins, maybe you won't. But if you do, if we confess our sins, and the word confess means to tell on ourselves. People get confused and they say, oh, you need to feel sorry for your sins, or you need to ask for forgiveness for your sins. This passage says to confess. It comes from two Greek words, homo legeo. Homo means same. Legeo means to speak. It means to speak the same thing. When you confess your sins, you're saying, to God, I said, God, you, I, I, I lied. I know lying is wrong because you're saying the same thing God would say. So if you confess our sins, okay, whatever sins we can remember, He is faithful because He always does what He says and righteous. The word righteous there means that He is just. He always he, he, He's uh, able to do it because He's done and paid for all the sins. He's righteous and just to forgive us our sins. What sins? The sins you confessed, the sins you remembered, the three you remembered on the way. But what about the five you can't remember? Notice what it goes on to say. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, the ones we confess, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the ones you can't remember you realize that if you had to remember every sin you've ever thought or done or looked or said or whatever, how are you going to remember all that? You can't. And so when you remember, whatever you remember, you say, oh, I did that. And you say, oh, Lord, that was wrong. I admit I, that's wrong. Not only is he faithful and just to forgive you of the sins you're confessing, but he also cleanses you from all unrighteousness. God is a gracious, merciful, loving God cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So, we, we can lift up our praise to God. We can lift up thanksgiving to God. We can lift up intercession to God. We can lift up petition to God. We can confess our sins. And we ought to do that at all times. So he says, at all times, we ought to pray. And then here's the third thing. And not lose heart. So go back to Luke. Go back to Luke 18. Notice he says he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. The word lose heart means to get discouraged, to quit. Sometimes we don't see the answer. Sometimes you ask God and you ask God over and over and you say, God, I really want this to happen. I want this to happen. And 
it just doesn't ever, it doesn't seem like he's even listening. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. He says, you keep praying and don't lose heart. Don't give up. What's the use? Well, because God is going to answer. He always does. Now, he's going to give this parable. And that's the verses we'll see, and we'll go through it fairly quickly. He gives this parable to show the truth that you need to keep bringing your requests to God. He gives the parable of what I call the unjust judge. Okay, let's look at it. Verse 2. He's saying this. In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Now, in a certain city, there was a judge. Now, at that time, at the gate of a city where people would come in, that was where the legal things were, there were judges. And if you had a complaint, if you had a something, you might go up there and say, I'd like to talk to the judge, and you'd get in a line, and then he would hear your case or not hear your case, whatever he wanted to do. Now, it says that there was this certain city that was a judge. Now, look how he is described. He is a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Now, this means that as far as God was concerned, he didn't care. He wasn't a believer. He says, I don't believe in all this. I do my own thing. Nobody tells me what to do. I don't care about God or any of that. And then it says, and he did not respect man. He didn't care about people. He didn't, care. he didn't have compassion. He wasn't moved by compassion. He didn't see the needs of others. He didn't care. If you said to him, what do you think? It's look, I don't care. I don't care if people come to me. I do my own thing. I don't care about God. I don't care about man. I'm a judge. I do my own thing. Now, the question I had is, how did this guy get to be a judge? You know, I mean, think about it. But he is. And so here's the parable that Jesus says, and there's this judge who didn't fear God, and he didn't respect man at all. I sometimes call him, he's called the unrighteous judge. Sometimes we call him the unjust judge. Now, there's another person involved, and that's a widow. Notice. There was a widow in the city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Now, when you think in the Bible about a widow, there are two different kinds of widows in the Scripture. There's what they call a widow and a widow indeed. A widow was one who lost her husband but still had family. A widow indeed was one who not only lost her husband, but she didn't have any family either. And as you look in this passage, this woman is coming by herself to the judge, and she's coming over and over. And so apparently she may be a widow indeed. She has no husband. She has no family. She has no one to stand for her. See, in the Old Testament, basically the woman there, if her husband stood for her, and if he didn't stand for her, her son stood for her. She didn't have any family. She didn't have anybody to take care of her. She's coming to this judge because something's wrong. Notice what it says. There was a widow in the city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent now it says she kept coming the way it's written in the Greek is she's coming over and over again you can see it she comes up the judge doesn't even want to listen to her she comes up and starts he says get out of here I'm not listening she goes back and gets in line she comes back again she says what do you want I'm saying get out I'm not listening to you she comes again I'm get out I'm not listening to you she's coming over and over again wanting help she says I want legal help from my adversary from my opponent whatever it might be it could be that somebody's trying to take her land she has nobody to protect her this person has taken part of her land and she's coming to the judge and saying this person's taking my land I need some help and he's going I'm not listening to you See, because I don't care about God, and I don't care about people. I don't care if she's a widow. I don't care anything about them. That's what this judge is like. And so she comes, and notice it says she kept on coming over and over and saying, Give me protection. He didn't care. That's why we call him the unjust judge. Look at verse 4. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, 
Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me. Now we'll come back. But he says, for a while he was unwilling. He didn't care. If you said to him, but don't you care about that widow? I don't care about that widow. Well, what do you think God would say about this? I don't care about God. I don't care about any of that. Remember, I don't respect man and I don't fear God. That's what he says. But it says, he was unwilling, but after a while he said to himself, he said, you know, I don't fear God and I don't respect man, yet because this widow bothers me. We might put it this way. She's driving me crazy. Every time I turn around, she's there. And I said, I'm not listening to you, Casey. Get out of here. She goes to get to the back of the line. And a few minutes later, there she is again. And I'm saying, I told you I'm not listening. You get out of here. And she comes right back over and over again. And he says, look, I don't care about God. I don't care about man. But this lady, this woman is bothering me. He says, yet yeah, because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. He's going to do what she wants. He's going to answer her request. And notice, it's a little bit strange. Look what it says. I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Now, she's coming all the time. This is a very unusual word where it says wear me out. It's literally the word forgive me a black eye. And it has an idea of pounding. And it's like she's going to keep coming and she keeps hitting me and she keeps hitting me and she keeps hitting me and she keeps hitting me. She keeps hitting me. She... Eventually she's going to give me a black eye. She's driving me crazy. It's just a pounding. Every time I look down, there she is. I d- Finally, I'm going to say, okay, you're wearing me out. You've worn me down. I will do what you say. Now look at the next verse. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, what is the point? What can we learn from this? Now, some people say this. Here's the point. You just got to keep coming to God and coming to God and coming to God and coming to God and coming to God. And finally, God will say, you are driving me crazy. Okay, I will answer your prayer. That's not what this is about. I have right here for you. Look, if a poor widow could get what she wanted from an unjust judge... How much more will God's children get from a perfect, loving, heavenly Father? See, the point of this parable is not that God's like the unjust judge. You just got to keep asking, keep asking. It's the opposite. God's not like that. If this poor widow could finally get a prayer answered, how much more we, as God's children who come to him, that he will answer our request. You know what he says when you come? He doesn't say, again, I'm not listening. He says, come on, come on, tell me again. Come on, I'm glad you came again. Tell me again what you need. That's how he loves us. Now watch what he says in verse 7, because there are two questions there. Here's the first question. Will not God bring justice? Notice what he says. Uh, He says, learn this. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect to cry to him day and night? He says, will God answer the prayers when people come to him day and night? When you keep asking the request, will God give the answer? You know what the answer is? Yes, he will. He answers prayer. Here's the second question. Will he delay long over them? In other words, will he take a long time to answer the prayer? The answer is no. Notice it says, will he delay long over them? No, he gives the answer. He gives the answer quickly. Listen, when you're lifting up your request to God, God's going to answer your prayer. 
You may say, well, what was the answer? Sometimes it's no. Sometimes you need to wait. The circumstances aren't exactly right. I mean, you ever prayed about something and it took a long time to get the answer and you just think maybe God's not listening? No, he's saying to you, it's not time. Great question, great, great request. It's going to take to over here. Sometimes you come to him and you say, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he goes, I know you do. And it's, it's good, but it's not the best. And because I love you so much, the answer's no. And then sometimes you can come to him and say, oh, Lord, I want this. And he says, that's it. That's exactly it. So he's answering your prayers. He's not the unjust judge who says, don't bother me. Okay, finally I'll do it because you're driving me crazy. No, he's the opposite of that. And if the widow could get it from an unjust judge, how much more? How quickly will God answer prayer? Look at verse 8. He says this, I'll tell you that he will bring about justice for them, what? Quickly, quickly, swiftly. He answers it. When he answers it, he answers it. So if a widow can get an answer from a bad judge, how much more can God's children get from their heavenly Father? So, bring your request to God. Pray always and do not lose heart. Keep bringing your request to God. Now, he ends with a question, and notice what he says. However, end of verse 8, However, when the, man, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes as the King, will he find the faith on the earth, is what it literally says. The faith is the truth. Or, or, will he find people trusting him when he comes? Because, see, when you ask a prayer request, you have to trust him that he's answering them. It may be yes, no, or yes, no, or wait, but you've got to trust God in the midst of all those, all those things because sometimes the answer is no, and you've got to say, that's not what I wanted. Or at least that's what I thought. I thought I wanted that, but if God says no, obviously there's something a lot better because he's, he's God, and I'm not. We have to trust him. And he says, when he comes, will there be faith on the earth? Will people be those who are trusting him and, and doing all of that, when, especially in the idea of prayer? What have we seen? Jesus teaches the disciples to keep on praying. Prayer is just talking to God. And there's many ways to pray. He gives this parable of the widow and the unjust judge. She kept on coming and kept on coming. And finally he answered. And he says, if, if a widow can get that from an unjust judge, how much more can God's children get answers from a loving Heavenly Father? He will bring about justice quickly. And so we have to trust Him as we wait for His return. Let me give you some applications. Okay, first one, have an understanding of prayer. Understand what it is. Understand how what, what prayer really is. A, just remember this. Prayer was important to Jesus. If the, heaven, if the Son of God, our Savior, wanted and needed to maintain His fellowship with His Heavenly Father, how about us? It's very important in our lives. B, prayer is talking to God. And you can talk to Him. Just be yourself. Just talk to Him about everything and anything. Maintain that fellowship. That's the plan. He's wanting you to talk to Him. He's not the unjust judge who says, Would you quit bothering me? He's saying, Come every time, anytime, as much as you want. I'm here for you. I want you to talk to me. That's what He wants. So prayer is simply talking to God. And see, there are many ways to pray. You can lift up prayer requests and intercessions and petitions, praise, thanksgiving, confession, Oh, all of those, and we can do them anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So do that. So number two is keep on lifting our prayers to God. Keep on lifting them up. Why? Because God's going to answer our prayers. 
while you're in the process of lifting up that prayer, He is in the process of answering those prayers. It may be a yes, and it may be a no, and it may be a wait. And all are exactly what you want. If it's a no, let me tell you, you don't want a yes if God says a no. You just don't want it. You may think you do. You can say, I want this and I want this now. And God says, no. We should say, okay, that's, that's good. I want to know. I want to know because if you say no, I want the no. Because you're right. You're always right. That's the only way, y'all. You cannot live any other way. That's the only way. God answers our prayer. And B, trust Him. Trust God as we wait for the answers because He always does what's best. Trust Him as we wait for His answers and we wait for His return. May we be men and women of prayer, lifting up our request to our Heavenly Father who answers prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for a great morning. Thank You for the idea of prayer and that it was so important to Jesus that He lifted up His prayers all the time. He stayed in that context a context with His Heavenly Father before He fed the 5,000, His disciples, the garden on the cross, everything. Lord, thank you that prayer is just talking to you. And it, we can be ourselves and we just come to you anytime, anyplace, anywhere. We know there are all different kind of ways to pray, whether we ask for things for ourselves or for others. We just worship you. We thank you. and Or we confess. Lord, may we keep on lifting our prayers. Because if an unjust judge will eventually give in to the widow, how much more would you do for us who are your children, who love us, you love us with an unconditional, everlasting love. Thank you, Lord, that you answer our prayers, and we trust you as we wait for you to come. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.